your personal to-do list in this one and only life that you have is the most important thing to do. There is literally nothing more important than accomplishing the things that you want to do in this life. Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. My mission, my goal, my duty is to interview people who are following their passion and doing what they love while making a living out of it. In this day and age, you can pretty much make a career out of whatever you want. And in this podcast, I talk to individuals who are doing just that. This week, we are joined by Jason Clark. Jason is a commercial pilot, entrepreneur, investor, and a TikTok star who has amassed nearly 1 million followers on TikTok. Perhaps one of his most viral videos is him swimming under the ice where he nearly died. Oh, and it also got reposted on Will Smith's Instagram page. You can find more information about his crazy adventures and his crazy to-do list by searching Jason To-Do List on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube. So that is Jason To-Do List on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube. From a young age, he was always really interested in motorcycles, in flying, and just adventure, gaining much of his inspiration from his father, who was a pilot himself. In the past, he's built and sold a motorcycle dealership and his current business is Flight Academy, which is one of the biggest flight schools in the US. Despite being insanely successful at what he does, he makes sure that his employees are well looked after. I was actually so surprised to know that he lived in his parents' basement up until last year. In this episode, we talk about living a frugal lifestyle, minimalism, doing what you love, traveling the world cheaply, life as an entrepreneur and much much more thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and just before we begin do you mind taking maybe 60 seconds of your time to leave a short review on apple podcast i would appreciate that so much it would really help the podcast grow and develop and just improve i guess you can find it by searching chasing passion on apple podcast or just clicking the episode in the description or just clicking the link in the episode description Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Jason Clark. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So I guess the first question I have for you is, can you just provide some context by talking about your background, what you've done in the past, and perhaps what you're up to now? For sure. So my background started off when I was 18 years old in business. When I started my motorcycle dealership, I started flipping motorcycles out of my parents' garage uh, until I found out that that was illegal. It was called curb stoning and uh, was punishable by some pretty hefty fines and even a class C misdemeanor. <laughs> the uh, the guy was nice enough to let me off if, if I were to go get my business license and get a place of business as quickly as possible. So we found a small $500 a month uh, like 800 square foot little office building that we could wheel motorcycles in and out of as we sold it. Um, when I say me, it was me and my business partner, Michael Benyon. He was a friend of mine uh, from high school that we both decided to start it together. Uh, we worked on that for a few years, but um, the first part of my background really was just work. I worked my butt off through my 20s. I started with the motorcycle dealership, but while I was starting the motorcycle dealership, I was also going to college um, I was also finishing up my pilot's license, and I also started a flight school. 
um, all wow. at the same time. <laughs> wow. So um, I was just going to the local community college, finishing up my associate's degree um, in science. And then on the side, I was working on my pilot's license, which I ended up getting my um, flight instructor license uh, when I was 20 years old, uh, where I could actually teach other people how to fly airplanes. Um, and then I was running the motorcycle dealership on the side. Um, and then once I realized I, you know, the, the flight instruction was picking up so quickly, I started hiring more and more flight instructors to kind of help me out and assist me with that. But I was able to make that business kind of more autonomous and run by itself. And I was constantly working at the motorcycle dealership, but, um, we were able to grow that to a 10,000 square foot, um, showroom, um, facility. I had about eight employees there. Um, we had about 200 motorcycles that we had on the lot at any time, really beautiful, new remodeled building. It was really a cool motorcycle dealership. But at that point, um, I balancing all these things really stressed me out. Uh, I, I was becoming quite unhealthy because it was just too many things all at once. There was too much on my plate and I wasn't doing anything justice really. In fact, I think it was amazing that I was able to grow those things to the point that they were because I was just spread so thin all all the time. But the day I kind of realized um, that I wanted to sell the motorcycle dealership was I was uh, running the reports at the end of the day. And that day we had maybe made $800 at the motorcycle shop all said and done. And I called my assistant that I'd set up down at the airport. And I was like, how did we do today? And she's like, oh, we made about $1,800 today. And I was like, we made $1,800 today. I wasn't even there. I was in the back busting out tires because one of my mechanics didn't show up that day. And I was just like, screw this. If I were to put all my time and effort into the flight school, imagine what that could be in a, in a year or two, you know? So we found a local motorcycle shop that was willing to buy us out. And so we ended up selling my motorcycle dealership and just focusing on the flight school. Um, at that point, I put everything into this flight school. I've grown it to, I have over 80 employees at the, at the flight school with um, over 50 aircraft now. We're one of the largest flight schools in the United States, um, and uh, we're the largest trainer of um, pilots for SkyWest Airlines. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So we've really grown that uh, to a big, big, uh, a big point. But that's kind of my background of, of where I got to and, and how I got to the point I'm at now. And like, were you always like that as a kid? Because like, from the sounds of it, you were always very entrepreneurial since, you know, the age of 18. And then you worked super, super hard. But like, were you always interested in planes and motorcycles in adventure even? Like, what were you like as a kid? What were you like in school, I guess? Yeah, I was, I was actually not a great student. Um, <laughs> I was kind of, it was kind of different. Kids usually start off pretty innocent and then they get, um, they get worse as they get older, right? <laughs> I kind of started off really bad and then started getting better as I, <laughs> as I grew up. I was a terrible student. I was always in detention and all that kind of stuff through elementary, junior high. I was pretty bad. I got suspended a couple of times. But by the time I reached like ninth grade, um, I became, not a 4.0 student, but I'd get three nines and three eights um, uh, in, in school. I was, I was just about a, a straight A student all through, um, all through high school. And then of course, through college, um, I think I graduated with like a 3.9 or something like that. Mm. So I ended up getting better and better as I, as I moved on. But um, I was always way into motocross. So it always came to the next jump, the next adrenaline thing that I would do. You know, I jumped my motorcycle over 120 feet and, um, just at the sand dunes or, or whatever, and always wanted to skydive and always wanted to do those things as I was little. And when I was little, I was always very entrepreneurial as well. I would, uh, 
I was always the kid that had the Kool-Aid stand on the corner. <laughs> mm. I do that all the time. I would, I would, uh, whenever my parents would like order something that had a box, I would make a box into like a shaved ice stand <laughs> and I would sell shaved ice to the neighbors. Um, I mean, thinking all the way back is the weirdest. I think <laughs> this is probably one of the weirdest things I did when I was little. Um, you know, uh, in plants, they have little tags that they put in there. Right. And yeah. And in, in those little tags before you plant it, you're supposed to kind of chop up the dirt so the so the uh, roots will move out. And I thought that was the coolest little tool. So I started going to all the neighbors without my parents even knowing and selling those as a as a planting tool item for 10 cents to all the neighbors. <laughs> or I would gather newspapers from my parents' house and try to resell them like week old newspapers to uh, the neighbors. I just load them up in my wheelbarrow and just start asking the neighbors for money for newspapers. <laughs> my parents found out about that. They put a stop to it because they were like, all right, you can't, nobody's going to buy that stuff. You got to stop bothering the neighbors. <laughs> wow. But I always seem to have some sort of uh, entrepreneurial spirit. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause the reason why I asked that, cause I, I genuinely believe that, you know, when we're kids, when we're children, we tend to like gravitate towards the things we're naturally born to do in a way. And like right now you're doing adventure stuff, you're, you're traveling, you're flying, you're running your own businesses. And in a way you're, you're doing these things since you were young, but obviously to different standard. But that's why I asked that because like, it's a, it's a pattern you see in, you know, entrepreneurs and business people that they started doing this when they were young. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of a mindset. You know, it, I think it was somewhat instilled to me by my dad. My dad's always kind of been mm. somewhat of an entrepreneur. He was he had his own construction company, but uh, it kind of ended up failing um, during uh, one of the recessions. And he was just so sick of losing money and working his butt off for nothing because he, he really timed it. Well, it wasn't his fault, but it was poor timing in business um, for anybody at that time. So he took out a big loan and became a pilot as well. And that worked out really well for him to be able to make money. And then, and then later in life, getting back into entrepreneurship, once he had stabilized his family and stabilized everything. So him doing that and stabilizing everything has allowed me to lean on him, um, in order to do the things that I've always wanted to do. So, uh, he's been a huge help for me. Um, you know, he, uh, he never did, um, you know, he, he, it wasn't a point where he's like given me money to start anything. That's not been the case. I've started everything from scratch myself, but, um, at adrenaline, he gave me a $5,000 loan at 10% interest that I was able to buy my first set of helmets and, and that kind of stuff. So he ended up making money on a, on the $5,000 loan that he gave me initially. And then he co-signed on a loan to buy my first airplane. So, you know, with those two things to really get those two businesses started was was huge. That was it was very helpful to have him to have him do those. So a lot of my inspiration definitely is came from him. Um, one thing I don't tell people very much is I actually lived in my parents' basement until last year. So <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised so, by that. I know a lot of people are. I mean, I wow. uh, I I was yeah, I was 27 years old. Um, owning um a company that was valued at uh 10 million dollars and uh i uh, sold my motorcycle dealership and almost have no money to my name because i never pay myself so uh i have very little money to myself because i always keep it invested in the company but all that stuff you know i have almost 80 employees and still lived in my parents basement until i was 27 years old uh it was just what you have to do to really make sure you create as much wealth as you can early you know it's it, every dime you know, a dollar now is $10 tomorrow if, if you invest it properly. And 
every dollar counts at, at early stages of life. So I was always very careful on what I spend my money on, on things that you'll never see again, right? Like mm. investing in a house, investing in things that you need, that's that's one thing, but at the, uh, spending money on rent and food and fuel and all those things are, are those things cost you 10 times more than what they're listed at, you know? So yeah, that's what I was always very careful with. <laughs> oh, you brought up a lot of good points here, but I, I have huge respect for the fact that, you know, you lived in your parents' basement until like what, 27, because I think a lot of, a lot of young people, um, they just kind of want to just go out there, you know, buy, buy cars, buy all these homes, get a good stable job and just kind of live, live their life. But like, you don't really need these things to be happy and you know and the other thing you said is you don't pay yourself um so wh- who do you pay first I, I i make sure everyone's taken care of first all my employees get paid first um rent gets paid first uh invest investment back into the company and the goals that we want to hit first and then then i make sure i get paid out so when i when i say i don't pay myself what mm. i exactly what i did was uh for the uh, up until last year. So it was like five or six years of running the company. So adrenaline, the motorcycle dealership, I never paid myself. I never paid myself a dime. I never took one penny out of that company and I ran it for six years. (laughs) I just stayed in my parents' basement. Um, I uh, had enough money in savings. I had, I kept, I think over that six years I lived on, what was it? I think like $6,000 or $7,000. I lived over six years. So I only spent about a thousand dollars a year. Wow. Um, yeah. For my first six years of running that business. Wow. Um, so I lived on that and that was basically just, I would maybe eat out once every other week, maybe, uh, and it would be cheap like McDonald's or like something I would just eat out somewhere super cheap mm. and then, uh, and then paying for my cell phone bill. That was cause that's basically the only things I had to my name. Other than that, I had a work truck, right? So I just drove the work truck around. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just, I never, I never paid myself hardly anything. And then when it came to flight Academy, I paid myself $500 a month, which was great. I was like, I was rolling in money. <laughs> that's what, that's, what's good about like not paying yourself very much is when you do start paying yourself, you're like, damn, I am rolling at it. This $500 yeah. a month is insane. I, I can actually go out once a week. That's insane. Um, so I, and during this time, like it's not the most healthy thing, but I also didn't date at all for a lot of this for, for like three or four years of running adrenaline. I, the first few, I just did, I didn't even date cause I was like, it's just too expensive. I, I don't want to be, you know, girls will always be there. I'll always find someone, uh, eventually. So during this time of my life, I'm just going to focus on me and grow the company. Um, and then when I started paying myself $500 a month at flight Academy, I did that up until last year. And then last year I just upped my wage to 60,000 a year. Um, and so I've been making $60,000 a year for one whole year now. Um, and that's, that's all I've made over the last 10 years of business. <laughs> I mean, I've accumulated wealth in the company and equity in the companies, of course, but for my personal payouts or anything like that, I, that's all I've paid myself is 60,000 for a year now. <laughs> And do you feel like you need more or are you perfectly happy with 60,000 or even less? Uh, you know, everyone asks me like, well, why do you do business? Why are you doing all this kind of stuff? Uh, if, if you don't care about money, cause I don't, I don't care about money. Mm. It's not, it's, I, I respect the game of business and that's, that's what's cool to me is that is the game. And that's my motivation is, is really just the game of business. But also I don't see money as money. I see money as time and experiences. 
And so the more my bank account grows, the more my time and experience grows. And that is the most important thing to me because that's where, that's where I realized that's all my happiness is time and experience. It's, it's not, it's not things. There are things that, that contribute to time and experience that you can, you know, pick and choose on what you want, but there's nothing more important than the memories inside your head. That's the most value to me. When I grow equity in my business, that's one thing, but I grow equity in my time and memory. That's, <laughs> that's the most important thing to me. Mm. So since, you know, time, having freedom, since experience is really a big priority for you, um, what does a typical day look like for you? Like, do you have enough time to do all these things? Because um, I, I can only imagine running a business is a very, it takes a lot of time to do. So I'm just curious to know, like, um, how, what does your typical day look like um, in terms of, like, how much time you have for work and free time? Yeah, so, I mean, it's taken a lot of time to build a really good management structure mm -hmm. at Flight Academy. Um, I have a new COO, his name's Tucker, and he's he's amazing. He's um uh, ex-marine slash nda um he's uh got his master's in business and ex-marine i mean there's there's not a more perfect personality that you could have um helping run a business right now and he's really focusing on the day-to-day -day operations which is awesome i don't get phone calls on the little on the little things that would just bog me down every single day anymore and he can manage those just fine and professionally manage those things just fine He's also helped a lot with the structure of the company, so I don't have to check in quite as much. Um, however, I still work every day of the week. Mm -hmm. um, I will rarely take time off during the week. This is a very rare occasion where I'm not at home during the week. Um, but during the week, I maybe do this once or twice a year where I'm not there during the week. So from Monday to Friday, I am there working, but I usually leave um, on the weekends on Friday and, and don't come back until late Sunday. Um, and I make sure that I get that time away over the weekend, but on a daily, I'll, I'll be in checking reports, um, checking our KPIs, our key performance indicators, making sure that we're on track for, um, for everything. Um, I run all the ads for the company still, so I'm still making sure that all the advertising and ads are going through, um, and, uh, always updated. Um, I'm always been just kind of a visionary of the company. So tracking where we're going to go next and what, what avenue we're going next. Um, like we're opening a new financing division of the company where we're going to start financing the students ourselves. Um, so we're opening that. Uh, we used to do that actually, but we're reopening that back up again and, and structuring it properly this time with a separate company and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of different things where I just set track. So once a week I meet with the entire team at flight Academy and, and make sure that everybody's on their projects. And then the following week we break off work on our projects and then come back and see where everybody ended up the, the week before. So, you know, focusing on that, um, I am building um, a new app right now as well. So daily, like this morning, I just had a meeting on a new app that I'm working on, which is the to-do list app. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're working on that. Uh, so, you know, I kind of just schedule out my whole week and I can work mobily for most of the stuff too. So if I do leave during the week, I've got my laptop, my phone, and, and I've been really good at now managing people. I don't, I don't do the daily things, but I get everyone in my life working on the projects that need to be worked on. Then I can work on my stuff. I mean, that's kind of management 101 is get everybody working on something that can be working on something, then focus on working on the stuff yourself at that point. So that's basically what I do on a daily basis is get everyone off on their projects. <laughs> but 
on the weekends when Friday hits, that's, that's my time. I work so hard during the week that I, I have to take that time off or I'll go crazy. That's actually, you know, kind of what started the to-do list was that I was starting to get ulcers in my stomach. I had heartburn so bad it was getting into my lungs and causing respiratory issues where I would just cough constantly. And I mean, it was, I, I was going to die of cancer and I knew it. So that's when I, that's when I was like, I've, I've got to get away from this or I'm going to be, or I'm going to get stomach cancer and ulcers and all this stuff. So I'm like, I've got to step away from this. So that's really what kicked off the to-do list was I've got to start focusing on things that are going to make me healthy and, and stable mindset and all that kind of stuff instead of focusing on business for so long. Yeah. And just to provide some, that was a a long, that was a long winded uh, answer for what's the, what's a daily day look like. (laughs) hard to say that any shorter <laughs> yeah you've said a lot of good points in that but i do want to mention the to do to do list and um, just for context to the listeners um jason has his i think it's called jason to do list on tiktok on instagram and you can find these clips um of him doing crazy stuff like swimming under the ice and um, bungee jumping and um, helicopter camping and all these kind of things and so can you just talk about like um, how that actually started I know you started it because you wanted to take a break from your work because you know you're gonna get these stomach ulcers and so on but like um what made you start posting this online and just doing that because that kind of blew off like you have over a million followers on TikTok I think at this stage so I think that's incredible yeah so yeah accumulated followers pretty quickly it was crazy you were almost almost at a million followers on TikTok mm. and, uh, almost at 40,000 on Instagram um, from from this stuff but um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just the health things that kind of started kicking this off because I always have a to-do list that I have to do at work. And mm-hmm. I was just constantly working on this to-do list. And I was getting so burnt out from looking at this to-do list on a daily basis. It was just starting to get very difficult from, you know, not paying myself, not seeing a reward in my own bank account for so long at this. I was like, I've got to start doing something that makes me happy and healthy. <laughs> so I started writing down because you, you catch yourself daily that are every single person, anyone I'm around is constantly like, Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. Oh, that looks fun. But you never do. So you never do it. You never write it down that it literally ends at that. It ends at that looks cool. Like, Mm. so, um, uh, me and my wife, Abby, um, which that's another story that we may have time to get into or not, (laughs) but, um, me and my wife, Abby, uh, on the to-do list, um, we catch ourselves every single time one of us says, Oh, that's cool. Or that's like, uh, you know, I want to try that. Or I've always wanted to, we're like, pull it pull out the list and write it down. So we created a list together on this app that we, every time you say something like that, you actually write it down or it just doesn't happen. And so the second you do have free time, you can reference that list and be like, okay, we're knocking this out. And it is just, it's crazy how simple of an idea this is, but nobody does it. It's, it's crazy. People have bucket lists, but they don't, they don't end up actually knocking them out or doing them when they have free time. They don't put the amount of emphasis on it that they should like your, your to-do list. And this is, this is the reason why I did it. Your, your personal to-do list in this one and only life that you have is the most important thing to do. There is literally nothing more important than accomplishing the things that you want to do in this life. There's, no single thing that I can think of that. And people are like, well, it's just a to-do list of random things that you want to do. It's like, no, 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 no. It's your to-do list. 
you write down what you want to accomplish. It may be a family. It may be business. It may be travel. It may be parachuting. It may be driving a car across country. It may be, you know, I, I want, I want, I want children. I mean, whatever this is, there is nothing more important than having clear cut to do list for you to accomplish in your life. And I, you know, I've always known that, but I never practiced it myself. So that's when I said, I've got to write this down. This is the one and only life that we all know that we have for sure. There's, I, it's just mind boggling that people don't actually do things that they want to do when everyone can. I mean, how many free countries are there in the world? <laughs> everyone. And, and, and how many people actually get out and do the things that they want to do? It's not a selfish thing. When you do the things that you want to do and the things that you want to accomplish, you become the best person that you can be. And there's no more justice that you can do to the people around you that you love than being the best person that you can be yourself. Yeah. But I also think a lot of people, like a lot of people when they're young, they want to do these things, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, whatever. But then they, they get comfortable. They go to a job perhaps or whatever. And they're like, mm, I don't have time for this. Mm, I don't have time to do this. But like, I, I think fear steps a lot of people back. So like, what kind of helped you, um, you know, move away from that cycle of fear of just like, oh, I'll do this tomorrow or procrastination, I guess. Um, what helped <laughs> you overcome that? Um, Honestly, I've never had fear of doing the things that I've wanted to do mm. because I live more doing one of my to-do list items than most people do in a lifetime. <laughs> like when, uh, for instance, uh, one of my most viral videos was swimming point to point under ice and I got lost. Yeah. Um, tried to find the exit hole and I couldn't find the exit hole. Um, you can watch the video on, on my TikTok or, or uh, Instagram, but um, people are like, why would you do that? Like that was the dumbest thing ever or what it was like, it's so crazy when you come out of the ice or out of the water or something like that. I mean, the, the feeling, you know, that one was, that one was scary. So it's probably not the best <laughs> example. I'm not telling people to go under the ice or anything, but when I accomplish something off of my list, it's, it's the most amazing feelings that you can possibly have when you actually accomplish something that you want to do. Yeah. And I think one of the best ways of getting over that is truly accomplishing one of the items on your list and realizing that feeling and that um, the emotions that come over you when you finally accomplish something big on your list, not just a little item, but accomplish something big. And that those feelings really help you get over um, kind of that day to day. Wow. What have I been missing out on? I can't believe I've been just going to work. I can't believe I let one day go by. You know, I'm at the point right now. I don't let one day go by because it's amazing how much people have been missing out on for how much I've been missing out on over the last bit, just running my businesses. I mean, so many things to do. Um, I think that's really what gets me over it and motivates me to keep going is literally just the accomplishment and the adventures that I've been able to go on. So what has been your favorite or most memorable, um, to do, to do, to do list item when you cross it off? What was What has been the most memorable one? Memorable one. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me that and that I have so many different memories. That's really hard to, to pick one out. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you're listening to this, you should go to my to-do list page on TikTok. Probably TikTok is the best because it has the best video quality and everything. But if you look through the videos, you can kind of just, it, it's really motivating. Um, I find, I even scroll back through my own videos sometimes because it motivates me and brings back those memories of, Oh man, I, you know, if I have a week of stagnation, then I'm like, I scroll through some of the videos and I'm like, I've got to get back out there. <laughs> I've got to keep knocking out this list. because There's so many cool things to do. 
Um, but honestly, swimming under the ice was probably one of the best things I've ever done. Um, that motivation of coming that close to dying was was one of my biggest motivations to keep going and how you know fragile life is. And yes, go about it a little bit more safely. But um, that was probably one of the most that was that was probably the single most motivating one that I've done. Other than that, it's been like skydiving, base jumping, paragliding. Uh, those are things that I've always wanted to do forever. And those bring a ton of joy to my life because they're, they're different every single time I get to do them, uh, different places, different things. And that's always a good filler, no matter where I'm at. It's like, oh, we're going to go see the bridge in Twin Falls. And it's like, oh, this is pretty, but let's jump off of it. <laughs> or, you know, wherever you're at, it's just another adventure that you can add on to the adventure. So that's why I kind of have liked those things, knocking them off the list. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'm just so motivated to get started on my own to-do list now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like, so you kind of got into, you know, you were, you had the ability to teach other people how to fly at the age of 20. And do you think that 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 was because of your father? Uh, I'm just curious to know, like, what what did your father teach you? What are the lessons you've learned from your father? Because I know um, you have a a lot of respect for him. So I just want to, yeah. Yeah, I honestly hope to be even half as successful as my dad is. And I feel that success is a combination of um, true monetary success, but also um, the ability to spend the time on the things that you want to spend on Mm -hmm. when it comes to family and other things is one of the other biggest signs of success. You could have no money, but found the ability to spend the time on everything that you want to do. And I think that is just as successful as somebody who has all the money in the world, but still doesn't have time to do the things that they want to do. So if I was able to become half as successful as my dad has become, um, he's mostly just been able to spend time where he wants to and what he does. And uh, yeah, he did, he did all my flight training for me, actually. So he was a flight instructor and did all my flight training. That was, that was awesome. And so as I've grown up, I've came up with all these philosophies and all these things that I live my life on. And, um, you know, I'm, I've always kind of thought in the back of my head is like, yeah, I came up with this. This is what I've done. And then I'll go hang out with my dad and he'll be like, you know, duh, 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 duh. and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's the same thing I say. <laughs> it's amazing how many uh, things I've subconsciously just adopted from him. Um, whenever whenever I'm around him or hanging out, I'm like, gosh, dang it. That's 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 where I got it from. <laughs> that's where I got this personality trait from or this business trait from or or why I'm so cheap when it comes to spending money or whatever that may be. It's like, I, I have literally fallen in his footsteps in almost every way, even subconsciously without necessarily even taking to heart things that he says immediately. <laughs> and you know, you built, you, you built flight school to be one of the biggest flight schools in America. Um, why do you think that is? What separates you from all, all the other flight schools out there? Um, you know, that's, that's a hard one. Uh, A lot of my ads did really well and went viral and a lot of people saw them. But one of the biggest things was we started our own in-house financing. And um, I was approving people based on their personal merit, not necessarily their financial merit, because if you're able to make it through flight training, then you would get a job and you would be able to pay your loan back. Hmm. So we started, we started um, uh, evaluating people on their personal merit. So we would bring them through an interview process and um, evaluate their knowledge, evaluate, you know, look at past grade transcripts from school, and then approve them on their financing based on their motivation and ability to complete flight training. And so that way we were approving 18, 19, 20 year olds. And it was so cool because like the most motivated people 
came from areas that weren't necessarily financially sound. They came from areas that were, um, you know, their parents didn't do very well and they, they were so motivated to get out of that situation um, that it was, you know, impossible for them to do it, but they're so unbelievably motivated people. And we would just find the exact person that we were looking for that we were willing to finance because they were so eternally grateful for, um, for being able to flight train and become a pilot. They were just so grateful that the last person they would screw over was the person financing them for all this. They would do anything to get us paid back over time. So, I mean, for instance, there was this uh, girl pilot that came in and she, um, she came in and she just, just no money, no nothing. Couldn't even hardly do a down payment. Um, didn't get approved at all through her credit score. And, uh, she, but literally her only merit was she was just like, I want to be a pilot there. This is the only thing I've wanted to do. And sure enough, she went through our whole program, became a flight instructor, started working for us, made her payments. She's flying tours and she'll be starting at the airlines here as soon as COVID starts letting up. Um, wow. Unbelievable. But yeah, she made it all the way through and has always made her payments, has always done well. And I literally just approved her because of her motivation. <laughs> so, you know, those kind of things. And then those stories really blew up the school. But we ended up moving away from that a little bit because we weren't making money as quickly as we needed to. But now with COVID happening, the, the company is definitely hurting from it. And our financers, such as Wells Fargo and another company called Meritize that were funding our students instead of us doing it, are slowly backing back out again. So now we're going to have to reopen our in-house financing, and I don't see it going away this time. I feel like we're just going to run with that business model from this point forward and and not necessarily rely on any outside financing. So um, I think that that's really the core value of the company that made it take off. Yeah, I love that because like, yeah, you're, you're so right. Like people sometimes don't have the ability to pay for these things. But like, like you said, if you look at people's personal uh, merits and what they've done and, you know, you, you really provide a good opportunity to people. So I think that's that's incredible to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does the whole like business process work in Flight Academy? So like, OK, let's just say someone comes into you and they want to be be a pilot. How long does that take? What do they have to do? Um, how does that whole process work? So somebody comes in and they sign up uh, for the program. There's zero dollars down. Uh, they basically just sign on the dotted line. It's a 10-month process from zero to commercial uh, flight instructor. Um, and you just, you're there uh, five times a week, uh, two to three hours a day. And you go through all the class time, all the classroom time we have on, uh, through online uh portals now so you can just log in and listen to the ground instructor teach or you can actually show up for class if you want to mm-hmm. and then after the first month once you've passed your ground school then you start your flight training and then from that point forward you do flight training throughout the whole process and and uh really uh you're done in about 10 months and then from that point forward you have to build time to go to the airlines and then you build time from there as a flight instructor or going to fly tours or however other way you want to go be creative and find hours basically you have to have 1500 hours before you start at the airlines and it's about a two-year process from nothing to airlines wow that's incredible so yeah you there's no payment whatsoever you just kind of show up um you you guys finance in the way as long as you pay back you're fine yep yep sign on the dotted line and start flight training and oops my phone's at 20 percent oh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but you start uh flight training and um 
and uh, yeah, as long as you pay it back, you're you're good to go, and uh, you start making payments um, after your flight training is done too. So you don't have to make payments while you're in school because we want you to focus on school, not on payments. Wow, because like there's a few people I know who want to be pilots, but it's such a it takes so much. Um, it takes a lot of money to to become a pilot and a lot of experience, and many people don't go down the route because it's just simply too expensive to to do it. But I think you provide people with that opportunity to kind of follow their dreams because a lot of people want to be pilots when they grow up in a way. Um, yeah, they all do, and they get shut down from what it's going to cost them. So, yeah, the the payments are about five hundred dollars a month when you're done with the program, and then mm-hmm. they go up to about twelve hundred dollars a month once you're at the airlines. But it's it's a way to become a pilot and to be successful. And I mean, the program costs about eighty thousand dollars. It's in your time building phase from being a commercial pilot um, to the airlines. Um, just in that time building phase, you earn back about forty thousand dollars. <laughs> mm. So if you're able to put that towards it, I mean, what kind of investment that before you even start your actual career aspect, you already pay off half of it back. It's such a crazy thing. Like if you were living in your parents' basement or whatever, at that point you could put every dime back towards your loan. Um, you would already have half your loan paid off before you even started the airlines. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's incredible, and it's just really really good opportunity for people. And you know, yeah. before you you obviously you were into motorcycle dealership, and then you did flight academy. You're doing so many things at once. I'm just curious to know, like, what did that whole process look like? Um, you know, before before starting the business, like, what kind of research did you do? Um, what kind of steps did you do? I guess to launch flight academy because that is the hardest part I think of business, just launching it because majority of startups fail. So I'm just curious to know, like, what did you do to make yourself successful i think the majority of startups fail because people leverage themselves to the point that it's not worth it um if you're going to start a business there should be no doubt in your mind that you're going to cover the basis the the base expenses um at your business to start off when people Mm. are like oh i'm going to take out a big hundred thousand dollar loan and put in all this kitchen equipment or all this stuff that whatever it may be instead of potentially like, Hey, I'm going to start a restaurant. I'm going to find a building that already has the kitchen equipment. I'm going to find a lease that's going to work for me. And you know, what is the worst case scenario? I'm going to sell, say it's a donut shop. Say I have to sell, you know, Hey, I only have to sell 50 donuts a day to cover electricity rent. And I don't necessarily have to make any money. There's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to do be able to do that for a year or two before money starts rolling in even more. Mm. And that's kind of what I started. I didn't start Flight Academy with 50 airplanes. That's why a lot of people look at me because when I was uh, when I was 22 years old, mm-hmm. I already had. Um, oh no, I was uh, I was 20. Uh, maybe I was 23 years old. Um, we had a fleet of Cessna aircraft, and we were the largest um, Cessna training center in the world. Um, so, and, and so people would look at me and they'd be like, dude, you're 20, you're like 24 years old. I looked also, I, I mean, I still don't look super old, but when I was uh, just a few years ago, I looked like a child, especially when I shave, like I have to keep a little bit of scruff on or I look like I'm 14. Um, but, uh, people would look at me and be like, how do you have so many airplanes and how do you have like this massive training center? It's like, no, I didn't start. I didn't start with 50 airplanes. That's not how I started this. I, I started it with one airplane. Uh, I actually started it with a lease on an airplane. So I spent $6,000 to buy into a 114th share of a Cessna in order for me to instruct a student or two out of it. 
And so I literally put $6,000 into it. Um, I already had introductory flights lined up um, and I already knew I could uh, way overpay for that, that little share of that airplane. And then by the time I had so many introductory flights lined up, I had like 200 introductory flights lined up. One of my students ran the wing of an airplane into a fuel truck and all the partners were like, you've got to get out. You, you can't, you can't keep instructing in this plane or it's going to, it's going to get ruined. So I was like, all right, that's, that's fair enough. So I went and got a loan and my dad co-signed on that loan for an airplane out of California, but I already had 200 intro flights lined up. It was a $30,000 airplane. My payments were like a thousand bucks a month um, and a thousand bucks a month for, for that one airplane was just so unbelievably easy to justify that that just made all the sense in the world. So if you're starting a business and you're feeling nervous about, Oh no, I'm getting over leveraged and I don't know if I'm going to make, you're already messing up. (laughs) If you're feeling uncomfortable about it already, yeah, you probably do. You're really, you're starting to put, uh, you're starting to gamble. You're starting to make like a 50, 50, uh, you might as well go to Vegas and put it all on red at that point. You know, you want to be so sure in your investment that, um, you know, I, I really feel that's where a lot of people just go way out on a ledge and throw it all out there and then just fail because you didn't test the waters first. I don't care how many financial projections and pro forma stuff that you do before you start a business. You don't, those are all way off by the time you start your business. I don't care how many professionals, you're never that close to doing them unless you're doing some cookie cutter business, of course. But um, ultimately, you've got to be overconfident in what you're starting. And both my businesses were that way that I got off the ground. Yeah. Oh, what an incredible point! Because I, I like I was listening to Derek Sivers, and he's the founder of CDBaby.com, and you know he he started off his business. It's very similar to you. Like um, he, he kind of just built it up by, oh, this guy's asking me to do this. Okay, I'm gonna do it, and so on. And I started off very slowly and just building building steps, building the business one small step at a time. And having low mm. expectations, and you know, I think that's I think that's such an incredible mindset to have. It's just a you know what you did is to like be humble and don't expect to you know be this you know earn millions in a single year. Like these things take time and build it up s- one small step at a time. So I think that's really really cool. Yeah. Um. How do you know? Yeah. I was just going to say, even the to-do list app, even though Hmm. I'm starting to have money now and I could throw a lot of money into this to-do list app and get it going, um, I'm not. We're we're starting off very slow with an MVP 1A, so it's the minimum viable product Mm -hmm. one. Um, We're starting off very slowly and then trying to find some investors with a very small, you know, I'll probably only be $15,000 into that app. Um, which is, it, it's, I mean, that's a sizable investment for some people, of course, but that's a very manageable amount of money for me to lose on something like this. And then for the fully functional app, I'm only going to be about $30,000 into it. So at that point, I can have this fully functional app for 30000 bucks and run around, try to find investors at that point. Um, not only that, at, I've negotiated with um, the people that I've been working with to get it to that price, that it's seriously a $150,000 app that I'm getting for $30,000. Um, you can turn around and sell that app to someone that's trying to develop something similar for $80,000, $90,000 once I'm done with it. So, you know, once you, when you're looking to create and start a business, you've got to be so overly confident that where it's just like, like yeah, <laughs> let's go for that for sure. That sounds extremely reasonable. <laughs> so. 
And what exactly is the to do to do list app? Um, what like is that going to be similar to what you're doing now in a way? And just have it as a guide for people to do create their own to do list. I'm just curious to know what's the actual sure. app about. We have a minute to explain it. <laughs> is that all right? A minute? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll explain because I'm I'm actually really excited about this app. This is going to be this is going to be game changing. As long as we can make it popular enough, it's going to be one of the coolest apps ever for a lot of people. So yeah. um, if people have used TikTok, it is TikTok-esque, um, but um, we're, we're, we're making it our own. Um, the, the, the best thing about TikTok is it's really cool to see people exploring and doing things and, and the really cool videos on there, but then you get a 14-year-old doing a dance and then all this other crap that's just garbage. Because all that stuff, sure, it goes viral, people watch it, it does good, but there's no action items associated with it. You mm. listen to a song and you move on. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if this app has one, you know, one thirty second the amount of of users that um, that uh, TikTok has, because we're creating an app of doers, and there are people that are actually going to go out and do something. And when they see something on there, it's something that they're going to want, add to their to-do list, and actually go out and do. So basically what it is, is when you start up the app, you will have a Discover page. And on this Discover page will be a list of people completing their to-do list items. And the, and the to-do list is one master to-do list. Everyone's working on the same to-do list. There may be 500,000, 500 million items on this list, but ultimately everybody's working on one singular to-do list. Uh, to-do list items are basically like hashtags. So we'll say like, um, say like to-do list number 35 is skydiving. And you're like, oh, I've always wanted to go skydiving. So you click on that one specifically and there's mm. 300 videos there of everybody completing their to-do list item of skydiving. And so you can see, oh, this guy went here and did it here and it cost him this much. Or this guy just created a really cool skydiving video that you know inspires me to do that. So once you've found the awesome skydiving video that truly inspires you, you can add that video to your to-do list. So on your page, you'll have a whole list of inspiring videos of whatever ones you chose from the to-do list um, to build your to-do list. So now your media um, on your on your to-do list is all very inspiring videos that wanted you to do that, um, which is um, you know which is awesome. Um, and then you'll have your journal. So once you've completed those to-do list items, you'll shoot your own video about you completing that specific to-do list item. And that starts creating your journal, which is basically your homepage of all the videos there. Um, and then once you have all of those videos, um, on, on your list, then people get inspired from your videos to complete their to-do list items based on that. Um, so, and then of course you'll have a discover page where it'll just show you random videos of random people completing to-do list items that will be based on an algorithm of what you're interested in or, um, or geologically where you're at. Um, it'll show specific hikes in your area, specific, um, restaurants to go to your, an area that people have filmed and and reviewed. And because their to-do list item is a foodie, maybe, maybe they love knocking out uh, restaurants that they love going to. So they've gone to these restaurants and shot these little videos of the food that they like or whatever, and they've added that to their to-do list. So whenever you are traveling, say, you know, I'm in Florida right now, I fly into Florida, you pull up the app and it starts showing you videos of hikes and adventures and beaches and all these to-do list items that people have knocked out in the area that they're traveling to. So at that point, you can then add those things to your to-do list and and knock them out when you get to. Of course, you don't have to make videos. You can just um, watch everyone else's and, and complete it. But that's basically the the user experience of the app and we're 
we're well into development with the team and we should have something to launch here in about three months in three months wow that sounds like mm-hmm. my dream app to use to be honest because like i love the idea <laughs> that it, it inspires action like um you see you see something you click on it you add it to your to-do list and then boom you go again boom you go again and you keep doing it i think that's incredible yeah so well we'll see how it all goes and if we if, if we actually get the discovery channel show to to go then that'll be kind of our marketing avenue for it is is the uh the tv show would be potentially based after the app so that's how we get the word out there and also the million followers that i have on tiktok i'll be posting the app about it there of and course trying to convert people over to it of course um but honestly just a few thousand users that's what's so cool about this app is you know a lot of apps like tiktok it took them years and years and years to get that platform up off the ground now it's blowing up and moving faster than mm. ever but it's taken them years of, of merging with other companies and get, because you have to have millions of users in order to make that app work, um, in order to get ad space, in order to generate revenue. Like, yeah, I mean, millions of people, you have to listen to a song to make $100,000. You have to have like hundreds of millions of people listening to it to make 100,000 bucks. Um, this app is totally different because you could have, say, so I'm from Salt Lake City, you can have like 200 people, maybe 100 people from Salt Lake City that are willing to create cool little videos of, of different spaces and the app is completely usable. There's, there's people everywhere that now that, yeah, there's, there's 20, 30 different items in Salt Lake that you can do and there's good video content created about it. It's totally usable now. So we could have 10,000 people across the United States using the app and, and it's completely usable and, and potentially viral um, for, for usability at that point. So that's, that's when it's another just no brainer to get it up and going. And how does the whole business process work for the app? And um, how would you make money through that? Or is it, so is it a, non-profit? No, we'll definitely make money on it. Um, I, I, like I said, money's not important to me, but time and effort and all that yeah. things, the, the amazing things that I can do with money, that's the, that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll be able to, um, we'll be able to monetize the app by, um, allowing any business can create their own to-do list item. So, Mm. um, so say it is a resort in Mexico Mm -hmm. and they're like, we're, they create their own video that they shoot hashtag to-do list number 3065 is visiting, um, the princess resort in Cancun. And that's, they create their own video and then everyone's like, oh, I've wanted to go to that resort. That place looks amazing. I'm going to go there. They go there, they create their own videos to inspire more people to go to that resort. And so then they create it all. So now once the, and that's all free. So any business can do that for free, of course. Um, However, if they want those videos to be boosted, then they can show those videos of their resort to other to-do listers that are adventurers, that are travelers, that are people that want to go there. And it'll specifically advertise these to doers, which now you charge an absolute premium for those for that ad space because you're marketing to the exact people that would come to your resort mm. because they're all doers that are on the app. So they're people that are willing to take the, the risk and the action to actually go to the resort. Um, that or potentially offering discount codes. So um, And that way the app feels completely adless. There's no, it's all hand shot videos, I love amateur that. videos, yeah. and they're just boosted. Yeah, you may see resorts and stuff like that, but you're into resorts. That's why you're seeing them. Mm. Or you may see these, this specific 
trail or the specific restaurant, but you're into restaurants. That's what you're on the app for. So nothing will ever feel like ads on it unless we potentially put like discount codes, mm-hmm. which we put, would. So when somebody goes in and uses a discount code, we would get a cut of whatever that person spends at the restaurant um, because they use the discount code, which is also just beneficial and doesn't necessarily feel like an ad. It's you're getting a discount for the things that you love to do by being on the app. <laughs> so it should feel like an adless experience the whole time on the app. Wow. I absolutely love the idea so much. It's, oh, it's unbelievable. And what's, <laughs> what's the name of the app? Um, and I'll link all these in the show notes. When- so we haven't, we haven't solidified the name of the app yet because we're still re, uh, researching mm-hmm. uh, copyrights and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we were looking at doing just calling it to-do list, but um, there's another app called Todoist um, yes, with, that's, yeah. without an L. Yeah. <laughs> So we're afraid it has nothing. We're no, we have nothing in common for functionality on the app whatsoever, but um, we're afraid that was a little bit too close. So we're looking at to-do list adventures, but honestly, we're trying to look at something more app name. Um, so yeah, if anybody thinks of a good app name, email me, Jason at to-do list adventures.com. Let me know if you know of a good app name, but you know, apps are always very basic like Instagram and TikTok, and they're just very like, um, one letter name kind of things yeah so uh we may even call it maybe just like to do or i don't know we're 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 trying to come up with the exact name for it but we should have something for it soon it's funny because like i i I struggle as well with coming up with names i find like coming up with names is the the hardest thing nearly just coming up with a suitable name so yeah I... You can see why all these new digital companies are like, um, you know, the most random <laughs> like words put together like Google and Yahoo. And, you know, it's just they just become names because they just literally just try to put words together to create something because everyone's just like, well, you just got to come up with something that nobody's ever thought of before and just some random name. Hmm. So, yeah, anyways, I... we're, yeah. we're working on it. No, it's incredible. I can't wait to see it. Um, and you said the Discovery Channel or the, um, will be based on the to-do, well, whatever the app is called, on this incredible app. Um, so what's the channel about then? Is that just going to be you doing these adventures? Um, yeah, what's the channel about, um, the Discovery Channel? So, so we're working We're working with a producer right now that just created a sizzle reel. And basically that sizzle reel, he's presenting to different channels, whether it be Discovery Channel, mm-hmm. History Channel, Netflix, whatever it may be. He's kind of presenting that to see who will pick it up um but uh and i'm sorry what did you what did you ask on that so what, what how does that whole process work what's the discovery channel about what's what are you going to do in it um yeah i'm just curious about that yeah so basically if they if they pick us up um the app the the video will be us using the app um potentially i mean there's there's several different forms that we can look at but it would be us using the app to navigate our way through our to-do list items and how we meet people through the app that allows us to complete our to-do list items and meeting new people and bringing um, potentially bringing like um, other famous people on the app on along the way that they reach out to us through the app to complete their to-do list items. Um, For instance, the, uh, the swimming under the ice um, video, Will Smith reposted on his Instagram page, which is super cool. Wow. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and so, you know, things like that, say Will Smith reposts something that I do and we reach out to him and be like, Hey, do you want to be on the TV show? What, what's something on your, on your list that you've always wanted to complete and you'll be able to go complete it with, uh, with Jason to do list to go knock the stuff out. 
Um, so we may, uh, you know, that may be a, a platform on it or, or potentially no app at all on the TV show. Um, you know, we may reference it for advertising purposes, but it may be more of just me negotiating my way through to-do list items. Hmm. No, that's incredible. Yeah. And Will Smith is a guy who, well, I've seen the, do you know, Yes Theory and the YouTube channel? No. There's this group of guys who go out there and they try to do things that are uncomfortable and they challenge Will Smith to jump out of a helicopter, bungee jump out of a helicopter with him. And he responded mm-hmm. to the video and they actually got, got to do it. So I think like, yeah, I think that's oh, wow. incredible. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And how did you and Abby meet? Um, I'm curious about that because she has Abby to-do list as well. Um, what's the story behind that? Yeah, so uh, I met her um, almost uh, about seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we, me and my friends went on a short vacation up to Vancouver, um, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and we were just hanging out downtown. I actually, uh, met her off of Bumble. <laughs> so, uh, just swiping while we're in the area and then ended up going on a date with her. Um, but, uh, it was crazy. We just, we just hit it off really well right off the bat. And, yeah. uh, she was asking, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I guess we'll, I guess we'll talk about it cause it's a funny story, but, uh, we were, we were just kind of going out to dinner and talking and having a good time. And, she was asking me what I do. And I was like, I explained the story of, of running the businesses, but now I'm trying to focus a little bit more on my to-do list. And she was like, Oh, well, let's look at your to-do list. I'm interested. She's like, let's try to knock something out tonight. And, um, so we were scrolling through the list and a lot of them are really big items. It's like, it's like fly the largest airplane in the world or like big accomplishments, like visit all the hot springs in the United States. Like they're all like large items that you would never mm. get done in a night. Um, so, and then, but one of them she saw was skinny dipping. She's like, you've never been skinny dipping. And I was like, no, I've, I've actually never been. Uh, and she's like, all right, done. And I was like, what is there like hot springs around here? Or is there a pool? Like, what are we doing? She's like, no, we're going to go in the ocean. <laughs> and so keep in mind, seven months ago was December in, um, in Vancouver. So <laughs> it was freezing cold outside, uh, literally freezing. And, uh, we, uh, yeah, just hopped on a, hopped in a taxi cab and, drove for about an hour out to the out to the coast in this area that she knew and we both both ended up going skinny dipping in freezing ice cold (laughs) ocean in canada for our very first date (laughs) wow what an incredible story yeah so after that we uh got our clothes back on and went to a restaurant we're all disheveled with mud on ourselves (laughs) and eating at a restaurant and she was just like this was so much fun and we talked about her coming to visit me and so, um, literally like, I think it was only five days after we had visited, maybe, maybe a week after I'd visited her, um, she came down to visit me and she's never left since. <laughs> so it just happened to be, you know, she, her lease, her lease had expired on her apartment and she got laid off from her job all at the same time. And she came down to visit and we were just like, well, just keep hanging out. And then we hung out for several months and realized that she would have to go home if we didn't get married um, because uh, her six months was coming up. And so we ended up getting married so she could stay with me. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. No, I wanted to ask, it might have come off and um, come across as a random question, but you mentioned it um, before the, well, during the interview. And I was like, hmm, there might be an interesting story there. So I had yeah. to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of strange. Like, we'll do it right later. You know, we'll have an actual wedding and I haven't ever really uh, proposed to her, so I'll do it. It's a little cheesy to do it after the fact, but um, I'll <laughs> actually 
actually propose to her and we'll have an actual wedding one day. But for now, we got married so we can continue to date. <laughs> That's another thing to check off the to-do, to-do list. <laughs> that was actually number one on my to-do list was to oh, yeah? find an adventure partner. So uh, knocking off number one. <laughs> oh, I love it. And how many, out of curiosity, how many items do you have on your to-do list? I would check on my phone if I wasn't on my phone. But I think I'm at like... I'm close to 300. 300. And right how now. many have you crossed mm. off? Um, maybe 100. Wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's but also, but also the list never ends, right? That's the mm. whole idea of the app too, is the list will never end. It'll be a constant growing. In fact, if you complete your to-do list, you're mm. doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should die with things still left on your to-do list or you're doing it wrong. That's that's also why I don't want to call it a bucket list is because you don't want to complete all of these items before you die. The to-do list is a forever growing list that doesn't end. It It is constantly growing. There's always new things on it and you should have several left over by the time you die or you didn't, you, you're never inspired because you're only inspired if you, if you complete it, then what are you inspired to do anymore? Mm. You're all, you always need to be reaching for new items and finding new things. So um, basically, if you see me posting an item that goes in consecutive order, it wasn't on my list until I found out about it that day and it needed to be on my list. If it's like a lower number, potentially lower on the list, then it had already been on my list for a while. <laughs> and can people view this list online? Do you have it open to public or do you keep it privately and then just post it once you're finished? Um, yeah. So I've kept it privately right now just because it could potentially be on the TV show. Oh, yeah. And uh, they have the list right now just so it doesn't give away everything immediately. Mm-hmm. I did post an older version of the list on my TikTok and kind of scrolled through it so people could pause and look at it if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I will eventually have something online. But if not, my to-do list will actually be the to-do list app. The first 300 items on the to-do list will just be mine to start in- inspiring people to go out and do those items. Wow. So my list will be the community list basically here shortly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like, oh, there's so many people who would use that app. Oh, I, I, I'm going to get it straight away yeah. and just keep doing Because like, I, I love the mission. Like I, I actually have this to-do list as well. I called it the impossible list, which I mentioned before the interview, but I'm going to change it now to the to-do list. And I think it's just so incredible to, you know, it kind of keeps you motivated. Like, let's just say you see someone playing piano and you want to, hmm, I want to play titanium the, the song titanium on the piano or whatever and you're like boom i'll put on my to-do list and now i can work towards it so i think that's really yeah. really cool just to keep yourself motivated and just keep life and like just keep enjoying life really um exactly so that that's actually one of the parts of the app that'll be really cool too so you know on instagram you have your stories yeah yeah we'll have basically something like that too but it's called my journeys mm-hmm. instead of my stories mm. and so you know it does it takes you can't just cross off playing that on the piano right you're not just going to be like i want to do that and then tomorrow you post a one minute video of you finally completing that and and playing it perfectly right Mm -hmm. so you'll have your journeys across the top or all the to-do list items that you're working towards your journeys to complete them so when you go along you'll post okay day one of working on this to-do list item on the piano here we go and then day two day three day four day five day 20 and i'm finally playing it and it'll actually keep it in an archive of my journey and at the end of that, it'll automatically prompt you to make a completed to-do list item once it's done uh, in order to post a one-minute video. Oh, right. So, so it shows a process of you doing the act. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. Exactly. And then show that as your as your process and then completing it. That way. And you know what? The, the other part of this, too, is it's not for the views. It's not for the shares. Of course, that's going to be a motivating factor for people to become famous and this and that. 
but it's documenting your life, your to-do list, your journal, your mm. experiences. It's your, it's your documentation. So it really encourages people to document it, bring it through. So one day you have your kids, you have whatever, they go to your to-do list app. This is your journey, your life, your everything. And, and of course, it'll be highly shareable. Everything on there will be shareable and exportable to Instagram, Facebook, and everything else that you want to do. But, um, but ultimately, this is, your, this is your journal. This is your space that you are completing your lifelong goals. Yeah, no, I, I, love, the, I love the idea. And yeah, documenting your process, documenting your journey. I think that's something we should all do because like, I mean, we only have one life as we know it. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you've done all these things. You've done motorcycle dealership. You've done Flat Academy. Now you're doing this app. You're doing your discovery channel. You're doing shows, social media. What's next for you? Um, what, are you what are you working on? Like, where do you see yourself perhaps in five years, in 10 years? Um, or do you even plan out that long? I'm just curious to know, like, um, <laughs> where, where's your like kind of next steps for you? No, I do. I, I never see myself completing anything, but there are mm-hmm. some major things on my to-do list. I see myself completing my to-do list the rest of my life, right? Oh, yeah. But my okay. to-do list is, <laughs> is quite diverse. Um, so one of the things on there is is making enough money to create a nonprofit that will always do better than I ever could do on my own. Wow. And so by the time I make enough money or I do whatever, then I really want to focus on doing either some sort of nonprofit or some sort of something. And I have no idea what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Because I see people like giving food to third world countries and then it negatively affects them because it destroys their entire food market or they give shoes and clothes to um, poor African communities, but it totally shuts down their markets because clothes and shoes are so plentiful that it shuts down their markets. And, you know, there's all these things that people try to do good and they just never, it never does good. And so one of the things that I've always thought is, is it's been the spread of knowledge. And I think uh, um, kind of knowledge, the scientific process, that kind of stuff where people um, basically I want to spread um, epistemology, which epistemology is the way that you come up with truths in life and where, how you discover your own truths. And so just kind of spreading the idea of people coming up with their own truths and the spread of knowledge is kind of where I would, I have no idea how to go about this, right? Like (laughs) this is, it's so far over my head, but if I could actually make money on the list or I could do that, I think the spread of knowledge and not only just the spread of knowledge, right? Because you never want to be biased. There's so many biased things Mm. and biased news. I I want to spread the ability for people to come up with truths in in the best way possible. And I think that's one of the most important things that humanity needs right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what are your truths? Um, if if it comes to you, what what are things that you live by? Um, what are things that are absolutely true for you? That's see, that's that's very hard to say. Um, I have a very basic epistemology in my life, mm-hmm. and I believe in real things. I believe in things that are real, uh, tangible, physical, in front of me. Um, and I believe in truths, um, and I believe in trust. And I trust a lot of people in the scientific community. I trust a lot of people in, in other aspects that, um, you know, that I base my life on. But I, you know, try to um, stay away from faith as much as possible or anything like that, that you, you believe in things, even though there isn't any evidence or anything like that. So I'm definitely a very down-to-earth um, kind of believing what's in front of me, uh, kind of doing good things for the sake of doing good, not for having rewards after I just want to do good things for the sake of it. And I, I, that's kind of where I fall on, you know, <laughs> and you kind of want to see things. it as well. 
yeah, it's, it's see, yeah. feel, touch experience. That's, that's where I want to be in my life. There's too much misinformation out there to really trust a lot of people or, you know, people lose trust very easily in this day and age, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Jason, you are pretty much living the dream um, to a lot of people, to myself included. Um, but what do you think, um, what, who do you think is suited for this kind of career? Um, how do you know if you're an entrepreneur? How do you know if you're men ed- meant to be running businesses? Um, like, what are the kind of challenges involved with that? Because a lot of people want to do what you want to do. They want to travel. They want to run their own business. They want to do all these cool things you're doing. But it's very difficult. So I'm just curious to know, um, what kind of person are you, is, are you? Like, what kind of person is this suited towards? Well, you got to be very motivated and honestly put business and this kind of stuff over and above friendships, family, and just about everything else in order to make it work. Mm. The people I see it not working as is people that put too much emphasis on friends. And that stuff is way more important. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) The more I realize, the more I realize stuff, that is the most important friends, family, um, and experiences with them is the most important thing in your life. And I've definitely come to realize that. The problem with business is it's the antithesis of that. (laughs) If you don't put everything uh, into your business and push it as hard as you possibly can to a point where you can then start pulling back. I mean, that's the idea is to Mm -hmm. then be able to pull back and be with family and friends more than you ever could have before. That's the idea. But if you don't put that kind of effort into your business in the first few years, it'll fail. So if you're not that kind of person that could do that immediately, then then it's, it's probably not something for you. But one of the things people think is like, oh, I've got to um, start a business and I've got to do all these things in order to live the free lifestyle that I live. And that's that's not true either. What most people have the issues with is they don't live within their means. Uh, people people are ashamed or whatever they are that they, they finance themselves to the point that they're never living within their means. They, you know, if I were right now, I am I am basically broke. I am extremely poor um, personally. I, I have a lot of assets, right? I have Flight Academy and all that. But me personally, I'm absolutely broke. I have I have maybe $10,000 in my bank account uh, at the very most. Um, I do have a small townhome and, and that stuff, but I live well within my means. Um, I, have a, I have that company and everything, but I live in a very small townhome. Um, I have very, very small monthly payments. I own my car outright. Um, I own my motorcycle outright. The only thing I still have a payment on is my townhome, which I bought it well within my means. I I should have it paid off by the end of this year. So I bought something well within my means. So somebody making $60,000 a year, I mean, you should be spending $1,000 a month on rent, or you should be living in an area where it allows you to be as frugal as possible on all the expenses that don't allow you to do the things that you want to do. So, you know, people will then say, okay, well, I'm going to use half my paycheck to pay for rent, or I'm going to use half my paycheck to pay for rent. And then another quarter of my paycheck goes towards food. There's nothing left over. It's like, make those changes in your life where you're so far away from your income, you know, not matching your expenses. Because the second you can build that gap where your expenses is as far away from your income as possible, it becomes exponentially larger and larger throughout your life. And that's where true freedom comes from. True freedom comes from financial discipline. And if you can never hold that, you'll never be free and you'll never be able to complete your to-do list items. So whether it be a job or a business or whatever you're doing, 
you have to create that gap as far as possible. Live so far within your means, it's ridiculous. And that's what creates true freedom. Wow. So in a way, you can be wealthy on 1,000 euro a month in profit and you can call yourself wealthy in a way because I think a lot of people, I used to be like this as well. I used to think being wealthy means being a millionaire. It means having this nice house. It means not having this nice car, wearing these nice clothes, whatever. But then I came to realize that these things don't actually matter. Um, As long as I have the necessities, as long as I have the freedom to do what I want, as long as I have food on my on my on my table, whatever. Um these things are the most important and everything else is just extra. You don't need all these things. That's, so so I think that's incredible. Freedom, wow. Yeah, that's what freedom is. Freedom yeah. you can live in a free country, but you're always a slave to the dollar until you're truly free. So I don't know why everyone isn't working towards true freedom, which is financially free in a free country. <laughs> Because everyone is is the slaves to the system until you complete that. And you continually lock yourself in this slave position by getting that loan, getting that car loan, buying that, going out to eat too much to the point that you don't have any spare money. That is Mm. money is freedom. That's why I see money is totally different than other people. It is it is not the ability to buy the things I want. Money is freedom to me. And uh, that's the only way that you can get unleash yourself from that cage is by having spare money left over. Like you, you look at my to do list and all the things I do and get to do is just making partnerships and, and having spare money left over because I live so far within my means that I'm able to do whatever I want nearly whenever I want. Um, and I'm, I'm so free in that ability because I live so far within my means. So I, like I said, I've only paid myself $60,000 a year for the last year. And I've been able to, uh, you know, pay down my house so far. I've lived so far within my means. You can make almost no money and seriously be free. It's just, it's just how you, it's just how you lay out your life. But what if you, okay, let's just say maybe you don't have 60000 Maybe you're making less than that and you still want to travel to all these exotic places. Now, traveling costs a lot of money. I mean, you need to pay for food. You need to pay for um, um, flights. You need to pay for somewhere to stay. Um, so how do you, is it just kind of like use that money, the leftover money to spend on that kind of freedom? Or what way do you think about it? you pay it on you use that leftover money to buy whatever you feel is your freedom whatever right. things that you do but it's not also just it, it's once again it's it's applying that same mindset to what you're going to do so um i'll use my last adventure as and see honestly so this is great that we're talking about this because this is actually what part of the of the show the tv show will actually be about it's mm. about budgeting and showing how i'm completing these items by what i'm doing mm-hmm. So take, for instance, the last thing that I did. So I've positioned myself to become a pilot because that's what I really wanted to do. But I didn't go out and spend a bunch of money on being a pilot. I used my dad as the trainer. Um, I only ended up spending about $15,000 on my entire pilot career um, because I had my dad as a CFI, which you know people don't use that, but also taking advantage of every resource that you possibly have. That's the only way that you get ahead is by leaning on parents and family and partnerships. I mm. swear... The only way to actually make money is by someone who has more money than you allowing you to make more money. That's seriously how it feels most of the time. <laughs> so if you don't make these partnerships and find people to, to help you along, you'll never make it. But ultimately, so take the last adventure, for, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, we flew to Bend, Oregon um, in a private turbine aircraft, which was awesome. 
um, that cost me nothing because I was able to reposition an airplane. So I, uh, with one of my partners asked me if I could fly it up there. And I said, sure, that would be fine. Um, and he's like, and then I'll just pay for a ticket for you to fly home. So that's, that's what it could have been flying up there, hopping in a plane, coming home, going back to my normal life. But instead it was on a Friday. So we flew up there that cost me nothing. And so I said, Hey, instead of buying me a plane ticket home, I found a rental car and all the fuel should be more like $200 instead of $400 flight home. Would you just pay for that instead? So of course he said, absolutely. That would be fine. That saves me $200. And I said, also, can Abby join me in the airplane when we fly out there? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. It's an empty airplane. You can take her with. So uh, we flew up to Oregon and we got our rental car, which was a minivan. So instead of spending money on that, we loaded up padding and all that kind of stuff and slept in the back of the minivan the entire time. Um, instead of spending money on food before we left, we grilled up a bunch of chicken. We grilled up some sweet potatoes. We grabbed a bunch of like trail mix and snacks and all that kind of stuff. And we loaded it in the airplane as well. So then we flew up there for free. We got the rental car for free. And then we started driving around and exploring and we went to free things instead of things that cost us money. So we went and saw um, waterfalls and went on hikes and um, camped on the top of a mountain that didn't cost us anything and, and ate our food that we packed the whole time. And then we drove to the base jumping and instead of going to a base jumping academy or we drove to uh, twin falls, um, which had the, uh, uh, the twin falls uh, snake river bridge there. And uh, walking over there, instead of going to the base jumping academy, which would have been four days and $4,000, I found some people in the park that were packing parachutes. And uh, they were nice enough to let me borrow a parachute for free. Um, I paid a guy $50 to give me some instruction that was there just to make sure, you know, the area I wasn't familiar with, wind conditions, all that kind of stuff. And so I paid him 50 bucks to instruct me and uh, let me jump off the bridge. So that entire trip there and back was, you know, our groceries that we'd already bought. So I don't know, maybe a hundred dollars and then $50 to jump. And other than that, we ate out like once, um, while we were there. Um, so, you know, little things like that, I use that same basis of, of information and we were able to go to like some amazing hot springs that were in the middle of nowhere. We were able to camp in the car. We were able to go to the waterfalls. I was able to base jump off this bridge and meet some of the coolest people I've ever met. And then drive all the way home. And this was Friday afternoon, Saturday, and Sunday. So it was a three-day thing over the weekend. I didn't miss any work. I negotiated my way through everything to get basically an entire adventure, a whole weekend. And between me and Abby, the whole thing cost 150 bucks. So <laughs> you can kind of see the way that I position myself in every aspect of everything that I do, that things or I'm trying to get them to cost me as little money as possible so I can continue to build wealth. So one day that I do choose... You know, because I was talking about that gap between your expenses. Um, it's okay to match it. You can match your expenses to your income, but you got to know that your life is going to plateau at that point. You'll never gain more wealth than that. That's where you will stay. So, but the second you reach that, it's okay to make your life comfortable. Sure. Make it comfortable. Get the cars, get the house you want, get everything that you want and match your expenses. That's totally fine. Just know you've plateaued yourself. That's where you will be. You won't be any more than that 10 years from now. That's where you will be. So I'm nowhere near ready to plateau myself. I want this gap to grow as much as possible. So by the time I'm ready to live comfortably and plateau my life, I will be up here, not down here. If that explanation kind of makes sense. So No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to work towards right now is, is making sure that I, I'm not plateauing myself. I'm, I'm continually putting money away every month. Um, you know, I, um, 
I pay myself $60,000 a year or a year, but I, I still put away like 3000 to $3,500 a month in savings. <laughs> and, and that's also because I don't have kids. There's lots of different parameters, but you know, if I were to speak to someone that is like, Oh, well I've done this and I've done that. It's like, that's fine. You've already plateaued yourself, but you can always work towards getting away from that. What can you do? You know, maybe you don't need that truck. Maybe you don't need that third car. Maybe you don't need this or that. And all that stuff is what is plateauing yourself in that, you know, you'll always be lower class or middle class or whatever if you if you plateau yourself at that point. So like I said, it's fine to do that. But just knowing that that's where you're going to be, because <laughs> I have very wealthy friends that I know that I'm I'm putting away and I'm saving more money on a on a monthly basis than than some people are. <laughs> so um, they, or, or potentially they're spending more money than they even have. It's just, it's crazy. So one of the best quotes I've heard from one of my business partners was it's never about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. <laughs> and how did you develop this mindset? Were you always like this or in a way you said you, you did cause you were living with your parents' basement. Um, so yeah, like, did you always have this kind of mindset? I think really this mindset is me just being cheap and then justifying why I'm cheap. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that was really just a long-winded way of saying i'm cheap um <laughs> but it, you know I'm, I'm cheap for very good reasons in yeah, my but, opinion no that makes complete sense to me and that is literally the way i'm gonna do it as well um because like it doesn't make sense to buy all the things you know you don't I don't need all these things. I don't need all these expensive things. And I would no. try to do what you do, you know, have that wealth in, in assets, whatever. But like you live beyond beyond your means. And one, like you said, one day when you really feel like that's it. Okay, I want to I wanna buy a nice home. I want to do all these things. Then you can just go out and do it. But yeah, until then, like there's no point. And you're obviously a very happy, happy guy, you know, doing what you love, what you love. So I think I, that's incredible. Yeah. I've never been this happy in my whole life. Mm. I really haven't. It's this is this is the happiest I've I think I've ever been. And uh, I, I've sold just about everything I have. I have a very small and, and it's all about things that you use too. Mm. is everything in your life has to have purpose. Mm. Every single thing has to have purpose. If you don't then get rid of it, don't have it, sell it, make money on it, get, you know, get it gone. You better either use it on the daily basis, but then also having good things too. I believe in having the best of the best of the things that you use on a daily basis. So when it comes to that car, make sure it is a good car, a good, reliable car that you're not working on that's breaking down so you can continually focus on life, but only have one. Don't Mm. have two shitty cars. Have one nice car. You know, when it comes to, um, you know, every little aspect of life that you have, just have good things, good quality things, but a lot less of it. Um, for instance, like in my garage, I have, um, I have, um, bags of all my different hobbies and that's all that I do. And it's things that I do. So I, I like rock climbing. Mm-hmm. So I have my rock climbing bag and that is on a shelf in my garage because that has a lot of purpose to me in my life because I go rock climbing and I love it. So I have that in a, in a bag on a shelf in my garage. I love paragliding. Paragliding is all consumed into one bag on a shelf in the garage. I love motorcycling. So I have my helmet and my, my boots and my, and my jerseys and all that stuff in a bag, in a shelf on my, so if there's anything that I have, each one of those bags have so much purpose in my life and that's all that I do. And I grab one of those individual things and I, and I use that, but inside those bags are the best things of, of that, that I have, you know, it's the best helmet, it's the best Jersey, it's the best everything that I can, but I only have one. 
and it's going to last me forever. So those things are those things are so important to just make sure that everything in your life has purpose and has meaning. And um, also, all my hobbies really don't cost me hardly any money at all. When I go motorcycling on my dirt bike, it costs me a little gas, like maybe five ten dollars in gas. When I go rock climbing, it's always free. Um, I don't necessarily always have to be buying gear. I've had the same gear for for five six years now and haven't needed to change anything. Um, when it comes to paragliding, it's free. I've already bought the gear. I go out and it's free every single time I get to go paragliding. It doesn't cost me anything to go do that. So I've really positioned myself to not have any outgoing expenses, but getting to experience the world in, in every way. And so, you know, those, those things that make me happy and, and also don't cost me money and allow the freedoms that I, that I can have. So being a minimalist um, allows you to be happy. Would you put it, put it that way? Like just having less stuff is why you're such a happy individual. Is that exactly for, for me, that works for me. Absolutely. The, I know other people, there's a lot of, you know, things, things make people happy and that's great. That brings you purpose in life. Mm. You know, I noticed you have a lot of books in your back. If that, if that's something that makes you happy, then have your book collection. That's, that's awesome. That's the thing that brings you purpose in your life. That's awesome. Just, all I'm saying is the things that you do have in life, make sure they have purpose. Mm. Um, you, you'll notice it when you move. When you move and you're like, oh my gosh, there is so much stuff in my life that I do not need and didn't bring me purpose. And that picture on the wall or this or that, it's just, yeah, just just make sure. So like even, even my decorations at home, if you asked me about a photo on the wall, it's not something I picked up at Ross or Target or whatever. Um, if you ask me about a photo on the wall, it means so much to me. That is like, you know, that is the thing. Like I have my, the first time I soloed at an airplane, I've written it on a shirt and it's framed on my wall. Like that was the whole start of my entire flying career. And it's framed on the wall. And it's just a sweaty, gross t-shirt that's framed on the wall that cost me nothing, but it means so much to me. And, um, like I have, uh, uh the Beatles framed on my wall. I love, I love drums and I love, you know, the guitar and that kind of stuff. And my dad gave me an original Beatles al- album and that's framed on the wall. And that's so important to me. And, um, you know, basically any little thing like that is there. It just, it just brings so much meaning to my life that everything is very well thought out of, of meaning. And, and, you know, that it's important to, to have those meaningful things in your life, but make sure they're not dragging you down. They don't cost you too much. You're living within your means and all those things add up to your true freedom. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Well, Jason, I know you're a busy guy. I'm conscious of your time. So I'm just going to ask you a few rapid fire questions and then we can finish off the podcast. Sure. So the first question I have for you is, let's just say there's a billboard and this billboard is displayed to millions and billions of people. Anyone in the world in the world can see this billboard. Um, and you, you, you get to play a message, non-commercial, non-commercial message on that billboard. And I'm very curious to know, what would you put up on that billboard? Whew. Maybe you should have asked me these questions before the, the podcast. <laughs> there's, there's so much to, I don't know. I was going to say be happy because happiness is the most important thing of all that. But it's such a dynamic, it's such a dynamic thing. But I don't know. I would say something to spread happiness. There's nothing more important than being happy. Um, whatever your form of happy is, you know, this whole time we we're talking about what brings me happy and what gives me freedom and stuff like that. Totally subjective to me. It works for me mm. and I do great. And I've accumulated a lot of wealth in my life and a lot of happiness and freedom based on my philosophies, but it's not for everybody. It may not work for other people. So 
that is a very hard thing to to push what I do on other people simply by saying one thing on a billboard. So sorry, rapid fire question, but that's hard to say. But something to spread happiness. And what advice would you give to a college student who's about to graduate and enter the real world? And this college student, you know, he or she wants to succeed, you know, wants to do well in the world. Um, what advice would you give him? Oh, man, I wouldn't have gone to college in the first place would be the first thing I would say. <laughs> I would have said enter the real the real world, the real world four years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> and experience the real world instead of what professors think that the real world is. Um, <laughs> uh, choose what you love and money comes from that. Mm-hmm. That's what I would tell them. And don't, don't choose money and expect happiness to come from it. Choose what you choose something that'll make you happy and money will come from it. So do what you love and money will come. Yeah. Love it. And what has been, what has been your biggest failure and what is, what lessons did you learn as a result? Biggest failure. I have had, uh, you know, I, I only bring up my successful businesses that I've done, but I have had several failures um, on on a lot of those things. Um, you know, I've I've failed exams uh, going through my pilot training. I've um, I've learned a lot of lessons uh, when it comes to partners and partnership. Um, it's hard. I honestly couldn't pinpoint one single. Um, failure in my life because I, I I don't ever see anything as failure. I think that's the that maybe my problem is nothing was a failure. Even when I failed in businesses, it's it was it's just a lesson. Uh, my wife said one of the one of my favorite things that I do, and um, it's it's uh, it's always say she always says win or learn. It's not win or lose. It's win or learn. And that's what I always kind of live my life by. It's not a failure. It was a lesson. So I've, I've had a lot of little lessons along the way, but nothing's been a failure. It's just taught me how to do things different. I've lost a lot of money. I've made some big mistakes, but um, uh, that was my college degree. <laughs> so yeah, I love uh, it. For, yeah, uh, for that one, yeah, I would just say win or learn. Win or learn. And the final question for you is what is your definition of chasing passion? What's my definition of chasing passion? Mm -hmm. My definition of chasing passion is organizing your life in a way that allows you the true freedom to chase the passions that you find the most important. Love it. Well, Jason, it was a pleasure. And just before we finish up, is there anything else you want to mention? Anything else you want to say? Ending, ending it all that you want to put out there uh no keep following me so everyone uh if you're listening to this then head over to my uh instagram or tiktok it's just jason to-do list and uh make sure you follow me so i can keep doing what i'm doing and inspire people and hopefully finish this app up soon that will inspire others to do more jason it was a pleasure thank you so much no problem thank you Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcasts and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcasts in the episode description 
or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much and have a great day.